You are listening to a Blazing Caribou Studios production. You want me to take us out with a song? I do, exactly. <laughs> well, I'll try to sing a song without forgetting the words. Uh, We're good here about that. I, tell, I sing a song to kids about manatees. And I tell them I love manatees, but I also love the name so much that I've rhymed it 15 times. I sing the song and I count off all the times that it rhymes. This is John Lithgow. You don't have to hear the whole song. I want to hear those 15 things. From time to time I dream that I'm a manatee Undulating underneath the sea Unshackled by the chains of idle vanity A modest manatee that's me. I look just like a chubby brown bananity <laughs> as I nose along the cozy ocean floor, immune from human folly and inanity. That's why a manatee is such a happy herbivore. I'm a manatee. I'm a manatee. I'm every bit as wrinkled as my granity. <laughs> no difference between my face and vanity. A noble manatee, that's me. <laughs> I love John Lithgow. He's great. Well, hello and welcome back to the Varmints Podcast, where every week we do a whole bunch of research to educate ourselves and you, the listener, on all things that creep, crawl, slither, fly, jump, hop, and swim on this planet, one animal at a time. My name is Paul, and I am not an animal expert. I'm Donna, and I am also not an animal expert. Again. Today. Again. And we uh, are talking about manatees and dugongs. Yes. But first, the news. This is Varmin's Headline News with your anchorman, some guy named Paul. Thank you, Matthew. At the time of this recording, Hurricane Dorian came and went in the Atlantic Ocean. The hurricane caused water levels to rise in the Halifax River near Daytona Beach, Florida. When the water receded, a manatee and her calf found themselves trapped behind a marina barrier wall. And uh, marina barriers, by the way, they're there for security so that people don't get into marinas to steal or vandalize boats and stuff. Mm -hmm. Mama and her calf were in that little cove for about six days when officials with the city of Daytona Beach and the Florida Fish and Wildlife Conservation Community launched a rescue operation mission. During that time, the locals watched the animals attempt to get over the wall on their own. They couldn't. So onlookers in lawn chairs and a TV news helicopter watched as a barge carrying a crane removed part of the wall to give the manatees a way out. Later that afternoon, the plan worked, and the manatees got out. Yay! Yay! Uh, catching and manually lifting the manatees out of the cove would have been really, really stressful to the animals, and it would have been really difficult to pull off because Mama weighed more than a, a thousand pounds. She was mm. a big girl. Mm-hmm. Removing part of the barrier was also difficult because the support piles extend nearly 30 feet below the riverbed. Wow. Yes. I did not know this. Florida has five dedicated manatee rescue coordinators on staff to rescue manatees who end up in places where they shouldn't be due to hurricanes and heavy rains and other events that make the, uh, the water level rise a little bit too high. Mm -hmm. 
They also monitor the manatees that are rescued to keep an eye on them to make sure they're okay. And Mama and her calf are healthy and they're eating and they're just fine. I would love to be a manatee monitor. That'd yeah. be great. Yeah. Not a lot of good news about manatees out there, so this was a nice little, uh, nice little bit of good news. Nice. Yeah. Well, that's my kitty eating in the background, by the way. She insisted that she was hungry right as we are about to record, and I was like, well, I can't not feed her. <laughs> so I'm sorry if her crunching makes you hungry or something. So, uh, Just a reminder, go to blazingcariboustudios.com for links to our audio and our show notes for today's episode. We're also on Twitter and on Instagram at, at varmintspodcast, all one word, and at varmintspodcast at gmail.com for questions, comments, stories, and suggestions. I do run a Pinterest board for most of our animals. I think I'm pretty behind on it, though, so I will go back and try to rectify that situation. But if you want to see what, what's there, and there's a lot of stuff, go to Pinterest and just search for Varmint's Podcast, and you'll find us. If you want Varmint's merchandise, go to tpublic.com for all kinds of wonderful stuff. And if you put us in the search engine over there, you will find us. You can get tote bags and T-shirts and mugs and all sorts of kind of stuff. It's great. So, if you like the show, why not tell a friend about us and introduce them to the podcast. We're everywhere that podcasts are found, and word of mouth is the very best way to help us grow. And we also have a Patreon, patreon.com slash varmints, wherein people help us out. They give us a few bucks every month, and we do appreciate it. If you want to join them, there are uh, rewards for every level of support. Patreon.com slash varmints. Thanks, guys. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and now it's time to learn about manatees and dugongs. Have you ever wondered about animals? What do they look like? Where do they live? Why are some of their legs also hands? Well, we have. So it's time to learn about animals. So we are learning about manatees and dugongs today. Both of those animals are large, herbivorous, fully aquatic marine mammals. They both belong to the same order, Sirenia, and they both have the same general body plan, so a large, round, mostly hairless body, paddle-like forelimbs, and a large tail. They also have very small, widely spaced eyes and a relatively short, round, whiskered muscle, so they look a little bit like, uh, like walruses, I think. And the more you look at those round manatee or dugong faces, the cuter they get. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of physical differences w between the two, which I'll talk about in a minute. Manatees average about 9 feet or 3 meters in length and can weigh anywhere from 900 to 1,200 pounds or 4 to 500 kilograms. They're big. Yes. Dugongs are a little bit smaller in length and weigh a little bit less. An adult dugong weighs only around 600 pounds or so, or 260 only. kilograms. Yeah, only. Yeah, they're <laughs> tiny. <laughs> There is only one species of dugong, and that can be found in the waters of at least 37 countries throughout the Indo-Pacific, wherever there are seagrasses. So from Africa to the Philippines and the South China and East China Seas, you're going to find dugongs. And the most biggest number of them is in Australia. Yes, that's where the most of them live, the northern waters of Australia. Yes. There are three species of manatee that all live in either the southern Atlantic Ocean, the Gulf of Mexico, the Caribbean Sea, and the Amazon River. Right there, smack in the middle of South America, there are, there are, uh, are they Amazon? Amazonian manatees? I guess. 
I guess, yeah. Yeah. Manatees and dugongs are both called sea cows. The word manatee possibly comes from the Latin word for hand, which is manis. That's kind of the best guess. Mm -hmm. The word dugong derives from a group of Philippine languages and dialects, a French naturalist with a name that is very long. I'm going to attempt it. Georges-Louis Leclerc Comte de Buffon. Mm-hmm. Hey, I think I nailed it. I th- you got as close as you probably could. <laughs> he adopted the name dugong, and so now they're called dugongs. Like cows, male and female and young manatees and dugongs are called bulls, cows, and calves. A group of manatees is called an aggregation. <laughs> a group of dugongs is called a herd or... I don't know why a group of dugongs is called a nut cluster. Huh. <laughs> That's weird. They don't really group up that often, just every once in a while. But Every now and then, yeah. There's hundreds of them, so maybe there's, maybe, maybe there's plants that have nut clusters that have tons and tons and tons of them <laughs> in one little area or something. I don't know. I don't know either. It's so weird. Maybe it's because they're a cluster of crazy little dugongs. <laughs> don't know i like aggregation and aggregation of manatees it does make them sound very corporate doesn't it yes <laughs> you can imagine them with a little bow tie on a little collar and a tie a little collar a little let's little... get this meeting going now come on yeah i call this meeting to order yeah a little underwater whiteboard with like a graph on it with yeah and the guy <laughs> says let us begin <laughs> <laughs> Because they eat lettuce in the zoo, see? (laughs) Oh, boy. That just went right over my head. Oh, no. (laughs) Well, there's a little video about that shows them eating some lettuce uh, in the zoo that I'm going to post in our show notes about the next topic. So that's that's where my mind was. (laughs) It wasn't completely out of left field. (laughs) Just mostly. Um, okay, so what I'm going to talk about today is this weird idea that uh, uh, manatees use their farts for buoyancy reasons. <laughs> <laughs> so this is the idea that they, like, if they want to go, if they want to go down into the water, they fart so that they go a little, have a little more easier time diving, right? Sure. Um, and. The idea is that they eat so much plant material, they end up just having a whole lot of gas, which that means they have to fart a lot. Yep, I, I can totally relate. That's my kitty back there trying to get beyond the... We have these wooden blinds, and he's, like, squishing them over so he can get behind there. So they are extremely farty animals, and... You can imagine that that is the case, but I went to look it up, and I I found a really nice study that uh, has been done about this very thing at the Wiley Online Library. The study is, it's about diaphragm structure and function in the Florida manatee is the name of the study by Sentiel Rommel and John E. Reynolds III, and it was published in 2000. I wasn't able to find anything more recent than that. So, But I have a link to the whole study on 
the show notes, or I will, and so when if you guys are interested in reading the entire thing, you can go and look at it. But I'm going to quote just one paragraph out of it so that you know what they're talking about, and I'm going to read it exactly so that it's completely understood. But this is not my work. This is the work of these two scientists, and so this is what they say. Got it. Got it. The diaphragm's extreme muscularity and structural separation into hemidiaphragms together with the ability of manatees to adjust their position in the water column with minimal external movement suggests that diaphragmatic contractions change the volume of each pleural cavity sufficiently to affect the buoyancy and pitch of the animal. This is personal observation. They're talking about the lungs there. Pleural cavities are lungs. Okay. Okay. So there's that to, to, there's, there's lung function to think about as well. This is the part where they talk about the farts. (laughs) (laughs) We also hypothesize that such contractions in concert with contractions of the thick abdominal muscles may compress gas in the massive large intestine, thereby contributing to buoyancy control. Additionally, because of compartmentalization of gas into discrete chambers or folds in the large intestine, fore and aft distribution of gas within a bony intrathoracic channel may be manipulated, thereby contributing to pitch control. We have observed flatulence when manatees submerge (laughs) with minimal externally observable muscle movements. T. Pitchford, in a personal communication, pointed out that constipated manatees are often unable to dive. Several manatees with buoyancy control problems have been rescued and taken to Lowry Park Zoo in Tampa, Florida. Observers reported that such distressed manatees exhibited a lack of buoyancy control, had distended caudal ends, and that they floated with their tails higher. After treatment with a laxative, the animals expelled substantial volumes of gas, (laughs) regained their buoyancy control, and then exhibited normal locomotory movements. Dr. David Murphy, Lowry Park Zoo, personal communication. Unquote. (laughs) Oh, I can so relate to manatees. Uh, submarine down <laughs> how cool is that that's very cool that's awesome <laughs> I don't know if dugongs, dugongs do this or not but it is really funny I mean probably they have pretty much the same diet it's a lot of a lot yeah. of grass a lot of seagrass dude yeah yep <laughs> fruit Oh, I need to I need to go down there and eat some seagrass. I better fart. <laughs> there I go. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh, that's great. Uh, farts the are power, funny. I farts can't help are it. awesome. Power farting is awesome. <laughs> the power of farts. <laughs> All right, well, I was going to just talk about, real quick, some of the differences between manatees and dugongs, because they are different animals. 
do it, but we have to stop laughing about the farts at some point. <laughs> enough, <laughs> enough about the farts. <laughs> <laughs> That's doing science, people. <laughs> so the biggest difference that you're going to see between a manatee and a dugong is the tail. Manatees have a large, round, paddle-shaped tail. Mm-hmm. And dugongs have a fluked tail. So a fluked tail is kind of like the tail you see on a dolphin or a whale. It's that classic pointy fish tail. Right. Manatees swim along somewhere in between three to five miles an hour, but they can travel short bursts of about 20 miles an hour with their tail. So picture a big manatee, a 1,000 pound just big rotund animal going 20 miles an hour with one whoosh of the tail. It's really amazing. Whoosh. Whoosh. The top speed of a dugong is about 13 miles an hour, again, in a very short burst. You'd think that with the dolphin tail and the smaller size, the dugong would be faster, but for some reason it isn't. And I couldn't really find a reason why these two tails have adapted the way they did, but it's a very, very easy way to tell a manatee apart from a dugong. The other easy way to tell a manatee apart from a dugong is the size of the mouth and the way it's situated on the manatee's face and the dugong's face. And we do know the reason why these have adapted the way that they have, and it's because of what they eat. So manatees forage on more than 60 species of plants that are either submerged, emergent, or floating. Right. They will even haul themselves partially out of the water to eat bank vegetation, and then they just grind that vegetation down with their molars. As such, their mouths are a little more forward-facing. Okay. And they can kind of see what they're eating. A dugong forages almost exclusively on seagrasses on the seafloor. So their mouths face downward, and they suck up the seagrasses almost like a vacuum cleaner, and then they grind those grasses down with their rough lips. Right. So it's really cool to watch a dugong eat. They just kind of roam around the bottom and just suck the grass up. It's really cool. Nom, 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 nom. <laughs> yeah, if you see a picture of a manatee and a dugong, if you look at their face, the difference is really obvious. Uh, dugongs will also scoop up some algae and the occasional crab, but mostly they're, uh, they're, eating, they're eating seagrass. Dugongs and manatees both have really, really crappy eyesight. So the dugong has thick sensory hairs on its snout called vibrissa. And if that sounds familiar, that is because we talked about that on our episode about walruses. And uh, because that's what walruses use to find clams. So dugongs use this to find and eat the grass. Right. Manatees also have vibrissa not just on their snouts, but on their entire bodies. But because they can kind of see what they're eating, their vibrissa is mainly used for detecting obstacles and sensing very, very slight changes in the water movements so that they can kind of navigate around and and get around despite having really bad eyesight. Uh Aha. Yeah. Nice. Really nice. Yeah, they're really cool creatures. And you'd think they're the same animal because they're both called sea cows and they're both kind of... Like, I was going to start the... uh, the podcast off with a, a song about dugongs and the whole song was about dugongs and manatees being the same animal and i was like no i'm not mm, gonna start that no they're not <laughs> they're very very different and they're they very very, very cool both of them very much so awesome <laughs> it's disclaimer time 
The Varmint podcast knows it's not fair to compare animal intelligence to human intelligence. But then again, we only have the yardstick of ourselves to go by, so we're going to do it anyway. So manatees and dugongs, you gotta admit they kind of just look—they kind of have a, a dopey look on their face. I don't They're know cute. about that. They're cute. They're wonderful, but they just don't look like they got a lot going on up there. Yeah. They have the lowest brain-to-body ratio of any mammal. Hmm. And uh, I found an article in the New York Times that indicated that they might they might have a little more going on up there than you might think just from looking at them. Right? Really? Yeah. It, it seems like they have a little bit of problem-solving capabilities. They nice. do use their vibrissa for a lot of this problem-solving stuff. Um, and it's hard to reward them with you know, like treats, like, yeah, like to get them to do things because they eat, do they just eat seagrass? They're right, and it's hard to like wave a piece of lettuce in front of them, I guess. But <laughs> apparently, <laughs> apparently, they do, they do have some, some problem solving skills and they're not completely, they're not completely dumb. I don't know, I was gonna awesome. give them like a five or a six, just like, you know, household dog and cat. Sure, why not? Five. Five. Why not? Well, Let's do it. They won't care either way, so. <laughs> do you have lettuce? <laughs> is that what's what they eat in the zoo is lettuce. That's yeah, it. they give them big, big heads of lettuce. Yep. Yeah. Yummy lettuce. It looks like good lettuce, too, like butter lettuce and the good, nice, big, leafy kind, not that stupid iceberg junk. Yeah, no. I don't know why that ever got popular in the United States because it's horrible. <laughs> It is. And there's nothing to it, but uh, anyway. They don't even give it to manatees. Let us hate her. <laughs> <laughs> That's me. <laughs> All right, we are going to talk about manatees and pop culture and a couple other things, but we're going to do that right after this. I wish I could tell you. Everything is okay. I wish I could comfort you and tell you there is nothing to fear. But I can't. And if you are really being honest, that's not what you want. You want to be scared. You like being scared. So, join me, your elusive host, and I will tell you why you're haunted by so many monsters. Scary Stories is a bi-weekly podcast about the psychology of fear and the stories we use to explain it. So, take a seat and let me tell you about this thing that happened to a friend of a friend of a friend. Find it everywhere you listen to podcasts. Well, this here's animal rancher and expert at large, Cotton Shorts. You know Paul and Don are just a couple of nerds like you, and they don't usually get to see animals in the wild. But so we'll talk about where they usually do get to see them, which is to say on popular culture, books, movies, television, and video games.
Yeah, pop culture for manatees and dugongs is pretty, pretty thin soup. Uh, there's no, uh, as it turns out, there's no manatee superhero. <laughs> there's not a lot. Uh, there's no manatees in video games. The so, power the... of eating seagrass. <laughs> and farting. And the farting power, I think we've talked about before, desiring to have that in a superhero and never <laughs> never having that wish provided, you know? Yeah. Even the tick didn't have any guys that were that farted, I don't think. <laughs> and that's where you would expect that to show up, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, yeah. so I'm just going to tell you that if you ever want to view manatees, here where I live in Florida is the best place to do that. There are all sorts of places throughout the state of Florida where you can see manatees in the wild. You can see manatees that are being re rehabilitated because they have been hit by boats, which is really unfortunate. In our show notes, we are going to post a couple of links that will tell you where to go see manatees. They, there are places, you know, where you can see wild manatees. There are zoos that are AZA accredited where you can go see them. Uh, and they're really cool. They're really neat. They're huge. And they're just, they're a wonderful animal to see up close and in person. If you come down to Lee County Manatee Park in Fort Myers or Lever's Key State Park in Fort Myers, let me know and I will go, uh, I will go look at manatees with you. And if you find yourself in the water with the manatee while you're in Florida, there's a few little guidelines that the Florida Fish and Wildlife Conservation Commission wants you to, to, to observe. Don't touch or pet manatees don't feed them or give them water don't chase them or disturb them don't try to crowd or restrict a manatee don't splash or make a lot of noise and never separate a manatee from its group especially do not separate a cow from her calf and we do see manatees on our beaches here it seems like every time we see a manatee there will be another little group of people that are not from here that will also see that manatee and the first thing they want to do is get in the water and try to get close to the manatee yeah and we tell them don't, don't even bother because the manatee does not want to be around you yeah. and they go out in the water and they try to get to the manatee anyway and the manatee just they look big and slow but one whoosh of that tail and they're gone swim away yeah so don't Shwim even away, attempt manatee. to get close to a manatee because they don't want you there yeah <laughs> But, but they are really, really cool to look at. You really can't appreciate how big they are until they are right in front of you. They're, it's like, they're like as big as a car, some of them. Yep. So, yep. So if you ever visit Florida, let me know. Uh, yep. Do it. Do, Do it. it. Uh, my pop culture thing is we're going to go back to visit Jonathan Bird's Blue World. I'm going to put the link in the show notes, but we're just going to play a little clip of the show that he had about dugongs. Dugongs of the Philippines. Like manatees, dugongs are herbivores. They eat only plants, and their favorite plants to eat are seagrasses that grow in the sandy seafloor in shallow water where there's plenty of light. While there's no shortage of this aquatic salad for dugongs to eat, 
it's not exactly dense in nutritional value. So dugongs need to spend more than half their lives chomping away at seagrasses and packing in nearly 100 pounds of it a day. That's a lot of seagrass, a lot of gas. A lot of dugongs <laughs> being happy swimming around. Yeah, amazing. Yeah, super cool. But uh, yep. yeah, that that's a really fun episode of that show, so go and look at it. Yeah. Cool. Uh, so, hey, are you going to eat that? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> they don't look, they don't look like, they don't look like food. No. They don't look, they don't, That's they don't look appetizing. To me. No, that's not a food animal. And I, I didn't, I couldn't, I couldn't find anything that indicated that people in the past ate them. Or that people in the present are eating them. Well, they. And there's probably a reason for that, and I don't know that reason, but I'm just gonna go with it. People are hunting them, so I'm sure they're eating them. People are hunting them? Yeah, because that's included in the list of human causes of why their numbers are going down. Oh boy. Well, I really don't want to eat them then. Yeah. So. That's somebody not cool. does eat them, but I. But uh, it's not us. So. <laughs> not us. Yeah. All right. Yep. Is your brain a repository of useless information? Well, let's help everyone win that next trivia night, or just sound smarter than the rest of the room with the Animal Fact of the Week. It is widely believed that in the oldie times, sailors used to think that manatees and dugongs were mermaids. And it's a really hard myth to believe because we think of mermaids as beautiful, long-haired women with fishtails and sh seashell bras, and manatees and dugongs are just these big, round, lovely mammals. So what lonely sailor in his right mind could possibly look at a manatee and mistake it for a beautiful mermaid? That lonely sailor was Christopher Columbus. <laughs> In 1493, when he was on his way back to the New World, he wrote in his journal, quote, On the previous day when the Admiral went out to the Rio de Oro, he said he quite distinctly saw three mermaids, which rose well out of the sea, but they are not so beautiful as they are said to be, for their faces had some masculine traits. Okay. Manatees and dugongs do perform tail stands in shallow water. Yep. Because they can also turn their heads and they have forelimbs, it's possible that at a great distance they could look like humans. And also, we have to cut sailors that lived at that time a little bit of slack because this is the 15th century and it was just accepted that sea dragons, monsters, mermaids, those were things that actually existed. It's also notable that the skeletons of these creatures were brought to England and advertised as mermaid remains. <laughs> In England's Magazine of Natural History, the description of a mermaid reads like this. It says, About six feet long, the lower dorsal vertebrae with the broad caudal extremity suggested the idea of a powerful fish-like termination. So that's the lower half of the body. Mm -hmm. Whilst the forelegs, or the arms, from the scapula to the extremities of the phalanges 
presented to the unskillful eye an exact resemblance to the bones of a small female arm. So if you don't know what that animal is and you don't know what their skeleton looks like and somebody's telling you that's a mermaid, you might believe that it's a mermaid if you're a sailor. Sure. So they were taking this manatee skeleton, they were kind of making it fit into this mermaid myth, which was really not uncharted territory because in the 4th century BC, the Babylonians worshipped a half-human, half-fish god. So uh, it looked a lot like a mermaid. And that's probably where mermaid legends started, not with these sailors that, that saw manatees and dugongs and thought they were they were mermaids. Yeah. But, I mean, it's still reasonable to think that some sailors from a distance may have mistook manatees and dugongs for lovely mermaids. Yeah, well, you know, when, you're, when your parasite load is high, it can affect your, <laughs> yeah. your mental uh, flexibility, right? So... Sure. Yeah, there's all kinds of variables there, right? Yep. I mean, the the parasite load on a 15th century sailor, I can't even imagine what that would be. Probably pretty high. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah. (laughs) We can question their observations, I think, with confidence. (laughs) Sure, yeah. I mean... You, you, you sit here and think, though, what person would mistake a manatee for a mermaid? But then when you look at all of those variables and everything that was going on and what people were being told. And from a distance. And from a know. distance, it's, you know, it, you, you can kind of see where that where that comes from. Yep. Well, let's yeah. close the show up with just a few facts about dugongs. <laughs> and I'd like to get some really good 50s show music behind. Okay. Here it Just is. Just because it'd be awesome. You got it. The dugong is, gong is a fully aquatic marine mammal. It is one of four living species of the order Sirenia, which also <laughs> includes manatees. They generally inhabit shallow water, remaining at depths of around 10 meters or 33 feet, although they occasionally dive to depths of 40 meters. What is this 30 voice? feet to feed. <laughs> This is my 50s TV announcer voice. Do you okay. like it? I like it very much. Continue. It be, yeah, it might be more, I don't know, up to the 70s, right? <laughs> I mean, didn't that, wasn't that this, the announcer voice for, for a long time? I don't know. It, it worked, yeah. though. Go with it. Works for me. Yeah. This is interesting. <laughs> with its long lifespan of 70 years or more and slow rate of reproduction... <laughs> The dugong is especially vulnerable to extinction. Oh, it's gosh. really depressing, so we gotta say it in a jokey <laughs> kind of voice. Oh no! Dugongs range in length from about 2.2 to 4 meters, 7 to 13 feet, and they weigh from 230 to 420 kilograms, about 500 to 925 pounds. <laughs> sure. They're not fast swimmers. We already talked about that. Unlike other marine mammals, dugongs cannot hold their breath underwater for very long. They stay submerged from 30 seconds to over 6 minutes depending on their activity. And dives typically last 1 to 3 minutes. (laughs) Although dugongs are social animals, they are usually solitary or found in pairs due to their inability of seagrass beds to support large populations. Gatherings of hundreds of dugongs do sometimes happen, but they last only for a short time. (laughs) 
Communication is vital among individuals in this species. The two primary methods of communication in this species are sound and vision. <laughs> Much like dolphins, dugongs use chirps, whistles, barks, and other sounds that echo underwater in order to communicate. The dugong is the only strictly herbivorous marine mammal. They graze on sea grasses and aquatic plants. <laughs> what is that voice? I don't know. Despite the it. longevity of the dugong, <laughs> which may live for 70 years or more, females give birth only to a few times during their lifetime and invest considerable parental care in their young. One young is born after a gestation period of 12 to 14 months. Oh. <laughs> wait for Odie to shut up. <laughs> He's saying, who is it in that room? Who is talking in there? Doesn't sound like my mama. <laughs> it sounds like, uh, remember Johnny Carson used to do that character Art Fern? Yeah. Manatees and manatees and dugongs. Manatees and dugongs. Rachel. Let's look at this. One young is born after a gestation period of 12 to 14 months and will continue to suckle from the mother for about 18 months. No. That's a long time. Suckling a long time to breastfeed. Teats. 18 months? That's crazy. They may remain with the female for a number of years, and the calf will only leave its mother once it has matured. And... Dugongs have very few natural predators. Their massive size, tough skin, dense bone structure, and rapidly clotting blood may aid in defenses. Sharks, crocodiles, and killer whales, however, feed on the juvenile dugong. And lastly, the dugong has been hunted for thousands of years for its meat and oil. Traditional hunting still has great cultural significance in several countries in its modern range particularly Northern Australia and the Pacific Islands. <laughs> and that's all I've got to say about the dugong. <laughs> I don't know where this place came from. I don't either. I'm just feeling silly today. <laughs> yeah, don't... And those were interesting facts about <laughs> the dugong. <laughs> And one cool thing is that down here, manatees and alligators kind of share the same territory. And like brackish waters, the manatees will come up into the brackish water and the, the alligators will kind of come down. And the alligators will give way to the manatees. Oh, I imagine so. Yeah, the ma will. alligators will eat dead manatees, but not live ones. They get out of the way for, for a manatee. It's pretty yeah. cool. Manatee coming, get out of the way. Yeah. Pretty much. And it doesn't matter the size of the alligator either. They will get out of no. the way of a manatee. The baby, this baby ones are like, yo, yo, ma, ma. <laughs> there's a manatee. <laughs> get out of the way. So, oh, my whatever. goodness. That's our show. That's our show. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, everybody, again for listening. This show has been brought to you with technical support by Matthew Chomo, bed music by Kevin McLeod. 
Our logo was created by Imran Javed. Our vocal talent today was Josh Hallmark, Stacy and Frosty, and Justine and Santiago. Brisky Cawthon knows the difference between a manatee and a mermaid. That's right. It's time for the Rugrat Corner. If you have a Rugrat who is eight years of age or younger and wants to be on our podcast, send us a message on Facebook or email us at farmanspodcast at gmail.com for details. We make it super easy for you and your Rugrat to hear their voice on the podcast. Contact us. Yay. Yay. (laughs) This week we have Ariel. Ariel has something to say about manatees. Can't wait. Manatees um, have been mistaken for um, mummies, but before it was mummies, but they discovered that it was a manatee. Manatees and dugongs are peaceful mammals. Uh, dugongs can live in dugongs live in salt water, and manatees can live wherever. <laughs> if um, dugongs uh, find a other dugong, they stay with them uh, forever. And that's it. Thanks, yeah, Ariel. Nice. Thank you, Ariel. <laughs> yeah, he did good. That was awesome. Good job. Good job, Ariel. And his mom is Verity. Verity is the host of the Scary Stories podcast, and you heard that promo in the middle of the show. So go check that podcast out. It's really good. Do it. Thanks, everybody, again for listening. And until next time, be nice to animals. You've been listening to a Blazing Caribou Studios production. Support and subscribe to our Patreon at patreon.com slash Studios. And that is a wrap. <laughs>